Welcome to Truth Triumphant Radio. I'm your host, Cody Mori, and today I wanted to talk about really the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, um, and versus the New. And I wanted to take kind of a step away from uh, some of the uh, current events and stuff that's going on, not not because um, you know uh, it's not relatively important in its own way it is not anywhere in comparison to the bible but it's just it just gets some it gets tiring sometimes and everything's working itself out as it goes and we can't do nothing but um take everything day by day so you know it i think i said this the last time but jesus said sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof so we just we keep doing our work every day and this this is kind of in response in a way this one uh talking about the old covenant uh because this this is actually what's really important in the last days this is this is more current event than the political um movings and shakings that are going on and it's important for us to understand this and not only understand this uh if you're a seventh day adventist like me from um a testimony sort of view but really a biblical only basis because it's such an easily uh, understandable subject there's a lot of information well i'll say that there's a lot of it it's been muddied over the years by really the church um but it's it's a it's there's a lot of information on this subject let me put it that way and so that's what i want what i wanted to take a look at today and I recently started a Bible study with someone, and I just point blank asked him. I said, "You know what? What do you want to study? We can study prophecy. We can study history. We can study health. We can study, uh, you know, whatever you want." And the the individual and uh, keep keep them and keep the the Bible study in prayer, please. Uh, uh, they they asked to study what happens after you die. It's a great subject. So we did um, something on the state of the dead. And this is from somebody with, um, you know, your basic sort of uh, non-denominational ideology, which is not biblical. Um, and we took a look at the Bible. And he was just blown away. I mean, God really came through in that meeting and you see you can see it in someone's eyes you know when they when they first get that taste of truth sometimes we take it for granted um and many times people are upset with us because they don't they don't want the truth when you try to pass out information to people but every once in a while you get someone who is really listening and those moments are really beautiful and you can see the fulfillment of the promise in John that says that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free because we are free when we know the truth we're not we're not able to be deceived when we know the truth so keep the study in prayer the next thing uh, we'll be doing we'll be meeting again on Monday and the next thing I asked him what he wanted to study the very next topic he wanted to study what has been done away with between the old and the new testament and it specifically mentioned the law of God. So uh, I think that that's very, 
Well, it's amazing. It's amazing. And you know, we are called to plant the seeds. That's what we do. We plant the seeds, we present the information, but the Lord gives the growth. And this person, um, I have no doubts that the Lord has been uh, working on them, calling them, and having them mull over some of the topics that we went over in the last study, and and now guiding them into this very important issue, which what we're going to look at today, and that is the covenant. So I want to start with <clears throat> no spirit of prophecy today, folks. I'm just going to do this straight from the Bible, and I think that that's important, especially when we're presenting this to others. So Exodus chapter 34, verse 28 says this and he was there with the lord 40 days and 40 nights talking about moses there he did neither eat bread nor drink water and he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant the ten commandments all right so the words of the covenant are the ten commandments so the law of god is the covenant in the old testament okay Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 13, basically reaffirms this. It says, And he declared unto you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, even ten commandments. And he wrote upon them, upon two tables of stone. So the ten commandments. The ten commandments of God, which you can find in Exodus chapter 20, which states, Thou shalt have, well, maybe I should read it uh, verbatim here. <clears throat> so Exodus chapter 20, verse, um, well, you can start in verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So no other gods uh, are we allowed to place before the Lord or even have in addition to, like before him in his presence. So we are to be faithful to him and to him alone. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow that down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So there's, a, and sorry, verse 6, it says, And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So this one is, is about graven images, making images, making pictures, and then actually worshiping. Idol worship, essentially. Idolatry. And it goes right along with... Uh, a, a somewhat of a promise here too that he will visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me in other words you are created in the image of your parents so if your parents struggle with sexual sin you will have a tendency uh, to struggle with the same things that doesn't mean that you will per se uh, but God really has to step in for first that to change if you know it's like they say drinking runs in families it's it's not so much the drinking i think as as like a, a hereditary thing as it is that that sin is hereditary so you have that tendency and that's what's being spoken of here i believe so that's that's your first two commandments now it says the third commandment thou shalt not take the name of the lord thy god in vain for the lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain 
So we don't use God's name in a haphazard way, in a common, we don't take something like God's name, um, God or Jesus or, um, you know, the Holy Spirit and say, uh, basically use it in a common way. That would be taking the Lord's name in vain. Also, and probably a much stronger point is when we say that we're Christians, and we say that we're saying we're his representatives on earth, we're his soldiers, we are um, basically a, an ambas ambassadors of heaven, really. Um, so when we do evil things in the sight of people, and we still claim to be Christians, um, not to say that people don't make mistakes, that's not what I'm speaking of here. I'm not talking about someone struggling with sin, I'm talking about someone who openly says, you know, I'm doing this for the Lord, and the, and the what the thing that they are doing is evil and wrong, or they're unapologetically doing something and still claiming to be one of God's ambassadors. That is also taking the Lord's name in vain, because it's misrepresenting him, and it's misrepresenting his character. Now, the fourth commandment. You got to remember, too, when God writes something, or when he inspires somebody else to write in this this instance here, he, if you notice throughout the Bible when you're reading it, there is a, there is certainly um, instances of brevity. In other words, he keeps things uh, just about as short as he possibly can, for the most part. He expands where he needs to expand. Um, he leaves it up to you to to study the Bible and compare scripture verses with scriptures to fill in some of the blanks that may not be understood. So there's a lot of brevity used. So when he does give an explanation, we ought to really, really pay attention. So keep that in mind with this fourth commandment here. It's the longest commandment out of any of the Ten Commandments. It must be important. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Okay. From there, it goes on. It says, six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Now, it doesn't say you can start your week whenever you want. It says the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Okay? So keep that in mind. Let me, let me finish this, and then I'll continue with what I'm saying here. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So, in there, you actually find what many refer to as, and I also, as the seal of God. Uh, when you look at a seal, it has the title of the individual, their name, and then their jurisdiction. All those elements are located within the fourth commandment and only are all those elements together in the fourth commandment. So the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. So he is the Lord. <clears throat> um, that's his name. His name would have been written there in the original Hebrew, but they didn't want to say the Lord's name. So they would say YHWH, which would mean Yahweh or Jehovah, okay? <clears throat> so I am Jehovah thy God. So name and title right there. Thou, uh, in it thou shalt not do any work, nor thy son, 
nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. So he's, he's God. His title is God. And he's also the creator. So that those kind of go together. And then, because it says he made heaven and earth, heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is. So you have heaven, which is the entire universe. Earth, which is the ground that we are all uh, here coexisting on. And then the sea, so all the water. So pretty much everywhere. That's his jurisdiction. His jurisdiction is everywhere. So you have name, title, jurisdiction, all right there in the fourth commandment. What's interesting to note here is, think about this. God said, this is God. This is the king of the universe. This is the creator and redeemer of the world. He says, I love you guys so much. I want to meet with you on the seventh day of every week. And what does most of the world say? Oh, no, uh, sorry, I'm not available. Um, but I will meet you every first day of the week. Who are and how arrogant are we to say that? Because if you look at your calendar, you go over to the seventh day, you'll find that that day is Saturday. The first day of the week, which most of the Christian world attends church on, is Sunday. Okay? So think about how, think about how disrespectful that is, that God has set a time to meet with us. And almost the whole Christian world, once a week stands him up and then tries to go to him when he's not available, which is on the very next day, the first day of the week, which is a common working day, according to this commandment. Because in verse 9, it says, Six days shalt thou labor. It's a command. You, you need to work six days, but the seventh day is the Sabbath, the rest. And you're not to work. Your son or your daughter's not to work. Any servants you have, that could include people that are, are that work at restaurants, right? That's the service industry. Not animals and not the stranger that is within your gates. And you might say, okay, well, that's for that's for the Old Testament. Well, we're going to take a look at that. But verse, verse 11, the next commandment says, For in six days the Lord made, or I'm sorry, um, the sixth commandment, starting in verse 12, it says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. So honoring your parents. Now that's a, it's kind of funny that that's one of the commandments because it's such a problem in the last days. Disrespect from the younger generation to the older generation. I mean, if you even if you look at some of these politicians, like, uh, the, the youngest uh, representative, I believe, right now in the House of Representatives, which is uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, or AOC as they call her, she's one of the most outspoken, vocal, and really quite disrespectful to other members of, of the House of Representatives, other members of society who are older than her. There's not a respect... And you see this with you see this with children today. It's it, I mean, just think about if you can. And some of you are old enough. I'm not, but I've I've talked to enough people to to 
sort of understand where they're coming from that if you went back into like the 1950s even 1960s which that was even during the time of elvis and then some of the craziness that happened uh in the 60s children were much more respectful to their elders than they are today so interesting that's one of the commandments verse 13 thou shalt not kill now of course that doesn't mean uh kill in general that means you shall not murder people. You you shall not take someone's life without proper cause. It's not. It doesn't mean you can't defend yourself. It's not a pacifist passage. Verse fourteen: Thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, this one and all these are, are very inexhaustible. You could talk about them all day, but basically, sexual sin and also spiritual sin. You know, uh, when we are doing things that are like when we're committing sins and stuff we're, we're cheating on god and he he refers to it that way that's why he refers to that's why he refers to jerusalem as a harlot at one point in i believe it's ezekiel chapter 16 and then again the harlot of babylon who's cheating on him so uh a at one point a faithful uh, woman has has now become a harlot. <clears throat> Next commandment, verse fifteen, it says, "Thou shalt not steal." So stealing, stealing from people, and and the, a lot of these again, they can be expanded into the spiritual realm. And then the ninth commandment, "Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor." So lying, thou shalt not lie, essentially. And then the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. So covetousness, the desire for gain, wealth. This is, one, this is where pride and stuff comes from sometimes. It's, uh, it's the desire to have either someone else's stuff or something that you're not you're not you're not content with what you have and this is a big problem uh, in the last days also so those are the commandments those are the words of the covenant folks right there and I, I mean that actually took a lot longer than I thought it would but so let's learn about the new covenant the new covenant is spoken of in Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 31 through 33 but the Apostle Paul references it in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 8 through 11 and that's the one I'm gonna read from because it's in the New Testament specifically even though it's quoting uh, the Old Testament it says for finding fault with them he saith behold the days come saith the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant I shall make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. So here it is. This is the big difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. This is the great unveiling point of what the new covenant is. It says, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts did it say that the law would be changed no did not so 
honoring thy parents, that would still be in effect. Not murdering people, that would still be in effect. Not lying, that would still be in effect. Not taking the Lord's name in vain, that would still be in effect. Not having other gods before him, that would still be in effect. Not committing adultery, not stealing, not coveting, that would all be in effect. Not committing idolatry, that would be in effect. And the seventh day, as the Sabbath, as the time when we meet with God, that would still be in effect also. Right? I mean, that's the one that people have an issue with. Not sure why. Because at the end of the day, if you truly love God, if you truly, truly love him with all your heart, you're going to want to do things that please him. And he's saying, this is the new covenant. I will put my laws into their mind. Well, we have to understand that. We have to understand that. What's he saying there? I will put my laws. Okay, where is his laws? All right, we found that. We just read that. Those are his laws. He wants to put those spiritually through the power of the Holy Spirit into our mind, write them on our hearts. And then it continues and says, and I will be to them a God and they shall be my people. And here's another aspect of the new covenant. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. So God's desire here, see in the Old Testament, they messed it up and they expected the, the Levites basically to handle everything that had to do with the scriptures and the law of God. And the, the sanctuary services and sacrifices and all those things. And it was just left to them alone. Well, that's not what God really ever wanted. But especially in the, in the new covenant, he doesn't want everybody to go around teaching each other saying to know the Lord, but he wants us all to learn of the fountain, um, which is his word. We can all go to that fountain individually. He wants, a, in, other, in a way, it's saying, I want a relate, personal relationship with you, where, and this is why we tell people when before they do their devotion, that they should pray that the Holy Spirit would uh, open up their minds to understand what the scriptures are saying. That's a relationship that we'd be taught by the Holy Spirit, not that we would have to go seek somebody to understand what's going on. That doesn't mean that we can't preach the gospel. That's not the intention. It's saying, everybody shall know me from the least to the greatest, and there won't be just one distinct group where that's their job and their only job. No, it will be expanded to everybody. Everyone will know me, and everybody will be able to share that same beautiful truth with uh, those who don't know. But many people say, well, we're not under the law of the Old Testament anymore because we're under, quote, the law of love. And they get this from John chapter 15, verses 9 through 13. You actually go to John chapter 13 also and see this. So we're going to take a look at this real quick. It says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. And if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. 
All right. So one thing that's really important that Jesus is saying. Jesus here, speaking in John chapter 15, he's saying, love, continue in his love, keep his commandments, and you will abide in his love. So it's it's kind of like they're they're intertwined and they're very similar to each other. They're basically saying the same thing in two different ways. You shall abide in my love if you keep my commandments, and then you are keeping the law of love. Does that make sense? Because this is what he, he, he qualifies it by saying, even as I have kept my father's commandments. Well, what commandments, what commandments did he keep? Well, he kept the law of God, and he abode then in his love. So the same would be true for us. Basically, follow my example. <clears throat> now, continuing on, it says, These things have I spoken unto you that you might, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So, many people will say, take that and say, well, there you have it. The law has been done away with. We are now just to love each other. But there's only one problem with that, is that everything that the Bible talks about is defined by the Bible. That would include the word love. Now, you could go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and learn exactly uh, what love is. But I'm not going to go there. You can check that out yourself. That is one of the most that is the most one of the most widely uh, quoted scripture verses there is. Uh, love is patient. Love is kind, uh, and it continues on from there. I want to go to Romans chapter thirteen, because Romans chapter thirteen talks about loving one another, and then it it gives you specific information on exactly what that means. All right, so Romans chapter thirteen verses eight through ten says this, the Apostle Paul speaking, and this, this is, makes this much stronger argument in my opinion, because the Apostle Paul himself uh, was somebody who talked about righteousness by faith and not being under the law, but, being, but walking in the Spirit. And we have to understand what, exactly what all those things mean. Okay. It says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. So there you go. There you have it. They're on the. He's clicking with Jesus. The same information. They are. They are in tune with each other. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. There you have it. The law of love. Now this is where it gets interesting. This is where it gets very, very interesting, because now he's going to qualify exactly what that means. Fulfilling the law of love. What is it? He continues on says, for this, thou shalt not commit adultery. Where do we find that commandment? In the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill toward to his neighbor. Therefore, Love is the fulfilling of the law. In other words, 
if I love my neighbor as myself, I will honor my mother and father. I won't kill. I won't steal from them. I won't commit adultery. I won't covet. I won't bear false witness. The, that's fulfilling of the law of love, according to the Apostle Paul. And he again, he says that if there be any other commandment, that means all of them. All the commandments are still in effect, according to the Apostle Paul. And that is the fulfillment of the law of love. And you can see where he's talking about love thy neighbor as thyself. You know, you've heard... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 5. And thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. So these aren't new ideas. These are actually Old Testament ideas. Fully understand um, how these interplay with each other again. Let's go to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. Jesus talks about both of these concepts. Uh, and this is someone asking him a question first. says, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So he he talks about that basically the whole law is summarized as loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Now, in the last part of this these this passage that I've brought out for you, it says, On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, the entire Old Testament hangs on both loving your neighbor as yourself and loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that is repeating, repeated again by the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 13. So that there's a there's a continuity between the scriptures from beginning to end. It's the same throughout. The covenant is the same. The things that have changed, which we don't have time to talk to, uh, talk about, is is the the sanctuary system, which it was always meant to be an example. Uh, the feast days they were always meant to be examples that point to actual things or future events. Those things have been fulfilled and are being fulfilled uh, by Jesus, and they are examples. They're object lessons, as they're called, so that we look to those object lessons, and we can actually, by faith, we'll still look at those same object lessons going on either prophetically or, in the case of the sanctuary, in the sanctuary in heaven, which is spoken about in Hebrews chapter 8 and 9, where they talk about that. <clears throat> so I want to close out... <clears throat> With 1 John chapter 2, verse, verses 3 through 7, where they talk about the commandments again. It says, Hereby do we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. 
He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. An old commandment, they are, sorry, the old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. So from the beginning. And this, again, this is an inexhaustible subject. We didn't have time today to look into uh, the book of James where he calls it the law of liberty. Romans 2, where the Apostle Paul says that the law will judge the world. Uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, chapter 14, verse 12, and chapter 22, verse 14. They all talk about God's people in the last days specifically keep the commandments of God. And I'll close out by reading one of them to you because I believe it's really important, which is the last one, 2214, Revelation. It says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they might have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. So in other words, the people that will have access to the tree of life, the people that will be his saints in his kingdom and be able to live in the new Jerusalem, are the ones that keep his commandments. That's all of his commandments, not just the ones we like and the ones we don't like. And again, it's all about having a relationship with God. If you really love God and you're seeking to, to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, then you're going you're gonna to look for the things that please him. And he has made it clear from cover to cover of the Holy Scriptures that his law has not changed. So may we by faith take hold of that blessed truth and have faith in Christ, take hold of the Holy Spirit that he might help us because we can't do it on our own, he, that the Holy Spirit might help us to keep his commandments every day, that we might have the right, the right to the tree of life. I'm Cody Morton. You've been listening to Truth Triumphant Radio.